Shall we all put our hands together for Jesus and give him a mighty clap offering? Today is the second or third day of our meetings, and we thank God for bringing us this far. Church, are you glad to be here tonight? Then let's all say thank you, Jesus. Shall we all say thank you, Holy Spirit? And thank you, Father. I have heard that yesterday the media uh, was, was very bad. Is that right? Internet. The internet was, was bad. It was the internet. So I've been asked to give a short repeat of yesterday's message and then continue with today because um, those outside said he didn't get anything at all. He didn't get anything. Do you, are you, do you agree with me? Okay, so I'll begin with a short summary of yesterday's uh, teachings and then continue and pray that I will finish within the time. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this revival. It's our prayer, the Lord, at the end of this week, everyone in this ministry, as well as those who are with us outside, shall be truly revived spiritually. Now the aim of this revival is that everyone may be truly be in Christ Jesus rooted and built up in him. Therefore we gather here tonight again in your presence knowing that you are always with us because we are indeed we are more than two or three that you are in our midst again tonight. Grant us to have understanding of your word. Give us your inheritance. And grant us to have your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all be seated. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adore. So we lift our holy hands with one accord, singing, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, he is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift our holy hands with one accord, singing, Blessed be the name. Blessed Once again, the theme for this revival is 
in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ Jesus. That is all that life is all about. In Christ Jesus. All life, the essence of life, the importance of life, the fulfillment of life is to be in Christ Jesus. Because there are mighty promises both for this life and for the life to come that are found only in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given under given among men. No other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. So in Christ Jesus and we're talking about his calling, his inheritance, and his power. So once again, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 14. So today the internet, okay now, it's fine. Oh, we thank God. And God bless you. Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 14. In him that in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. In him also we have the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him, as in, again, in Christ, all things in Christ Jesus. Verse 11, in him, that in Christ Jesus, also, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in him, in Christ, should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Church, let's all say amen. Amen. And as time goes on, we'll be looking at this scripture in more and more detail. But yesterday and today we're going to look at the first part, going back to what we said yesterday for the benefit of the internet. <laughs> so the internet will be also learned. Uh, we talk about his calling, his inheritance, his power. Praise the Lord. And yesterday we emphasize on the word redemption. The Bible says that in him we have redemption. In Christ Jesus we have redemption. That's verse 7. In him we have redemption. 
through his blood. And uh, we said that in the days of the Ephesian church, the Ephesians were very familiar with the Greek and Roman practice of redemption. And in this practice, if you were a slave, and they used to have slaves, which they bought, or somehow they captured when they, you know, when there was a battle or war. But if you were a slave, and you had to be set free, in order for you to be set free, the owner of the slave will set a price, will name a price. In other words, you have to sell the slave again. Maybe even with a profit. And for the slave to be set free, this price has to be paid. And that price is called a ransom. A ransom. And this process is what the cause was called redemption. Now, paying the price for a slave in captivity to be set free, to become free, is called redemption. Redemption. And the word redemption actually means that you're going to redeem something that probably originally belongs to you. When we say redemption, actually, the thing originally belonged to you. But somehow, it has become the property of somebody else. And if you want it back, to get it back, you have to redeem that thing. And the new owner who set a price of redemption, a ransom, which had to be paid before he would let go or release the slave back to his, orig his original owner. And this practice was very, very common. It was a normal practice in the days of the Ephesian church among the Greeks and the Romans. In the same way, um, by the same token, a sinner, a sinner, the Bible said that all have sinned. Romans 3, 26 says, all have sinned and so Romans 3, verse 23, and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have sinned. And yesterday we began by doing a little simulation or demonstration um, using these um, articles just to go very quickly before we actually deal with today's material. And we represented this wooden structure here to be Satan. This is Satan. The Bible said that anyone who hangs on a, a tree is cursed. So this is made of a tree, timber. So this is Satan. And Satan sinned from the beginning. So sin belongs to Satan. And we represent this. We represent sin with this. Take this as sin. So this sin belongs to Satan. It's for him. He and sin from the beginning sinned. He was cast out of heaven 
he and the third of the angels. The Bible said there was no place found for them again in heaven. That their place was taken. So there's no way they could go back to heaven. Their place was gone. They were cast down to the earth. And he came covered in sin. In him there's no good. Only kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's all that is in him. Now, God made man. He made man in his image and in his own likeness. He made man to be his like authority over the whole earth. God made man, you and me. He made us in his own image and his own likeness, just like God. Man was then very spiritual. You and I were very spiritual. We were more spiritual than physical. In fact, we, we, we couldn't even identify our physical bodies because we're about 99.9% spiritual. And God placed man in the Garden of Eden. God used to come in the cool of the day and have fellowship with man, just as we are having fellowship with God right now. Just say amen. amen. And of course, the devil wouldn't like this because the devil, Satan, is destined for hell. And um, if he couldn't defeat God in heaven, there was war in heaven. Can you believe that there was war in heaven? Not in Tamar, heaven, war. Couldn't defeat God, then he will take it on God's children, that's us. People that God has made in his own image, like when Satan would like to now destroy you to show, to show that he had defeated God. So Satan came down, Garden of Eden, and deceived Adam and Eve. Deceived them to sin. To sin. He got them to sin. Adam and Eve were created in innocence. They lived in the dispensation of innocence. You say, you know, if you go to what we call dispensational theology, that time, there was no sin in man. Man didn't know sin. There was nothing like sin in man. All of man's thoughts and everything was righteous. And man could not sin. Man couldn't sin. In the same way, like I said, I said the same way that you and I cannot fly, we cannot just fly because we are not being made to fly. So man was not made to sin. But Satan got man to sin. And the moment man sinned, man received a sin nature. Now, man now knew what is good and evil. First, only man knew only what was good. Now, he knew good and evil. And it was up to him, you and me, to choose what is good, between good and evil. Before then, we only knew good. We didn't know evil. But after man sinned in the Garden of Eden, now man had the power to choose what is good and what is evil. But then man had received a sin nature because we sinned. And uh, where is my... Where is my, 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 my man? Then we can't continue the story because the man is not here today. Tonight... <laughs> 
But we said we, 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 you are even going to ask us to take this home and bring it today. So I say, may God have mercy. Is she aware that uh, she is the man that, or she has forgotten that she is the man? Okay, let's have somebody else in their place. We are even going to ask her to take this home, tied around her wrist and come back today, but good that we didn't let her go with us. She wouldn't have come back with it. So, we represent my daughter here. She stands for man that God created. Innocent. Sinless. In him, there was no evil, no sin. Only good. But then, Satan got him to sin. And the moment man sinned, man received a sinful nature now what man was now inclined to sin more than to do good. Man found it easier to sin than not to sin. That's what we mean by sin nature. And then at the same time now, man had a right to choose. He had to choose. So man was bound to choose what is always wrong. And that's why God drove man as the garden of Eden. So now, the moment... Man's can you tie it around your own can you tie it around your own wrist? The moment man sinned, man also oh, somebody, come on, somebody tie it for her. But you're able to tie your own ribbon on, on your on your wig, but <laughs> okay, she's done it. Uh-huh. And tie. So see the moment man sinned, man also received sin. Now there was sin. And because sin belongs to Satan, man was now sort of connected, tied, became a slave of Satan. Man was held captive. Through the sin, Satan held man captive. And because God doesn't like sin, man being created innocent means that that time Man was sinless. But as soon as man sinned, God took this away and withdrew. So there was spiritual separation. Man, God cannot associate with sin. Even up to today, man cannot, sorry, God cannot tolerate or associate or condone or live with sin. So the sin had to go. So here is man held slave by Satan through sin. But God so loved the world. God so loved us and still loves us that God could not stand by look on unconcerned and allow his own creation that he created in his own image and likeness to go or to be taken or to be deceived by Satan and taken to hell. Because God knows what, how hell is like. It's a terrible place. Hell is a hell. A terrible place. It's like you have your child, your son, your, your daughter. You cannot sit down, allow the enemy to take your son, that you love, away. And not just away, but into hell fire. So God had to do something. God had to do something. But to free man from that sin... A ransom had to be paid. Now man is being held slave. 
A ransom had to be paid. God had to redeem man. Man originally belonged to God. Belonged to God. Now man had become the property or the slave of Satan. Therefore, God has to redeem man back. A price has to be named. And Satan, you know, named a price that no one could pay. No one could pay. Okay, if he is going to take man with him to die, man is going to die, eternal death, then okay, if you want your man back, God, if you want the man back, then let someone die in his place. Let someone die because once sin comes in, death must follow. Sin always leads to death. So if you want man back, then someone has to be, die in man's place. Who is it? The person has to be sinless. No sin. The one, the one who can qualify, the only person who can qualify, who qualifies to redeem you, to redeem man and remove, remove this slavery or this sin has to be sinless. A man who is sinless. Meanwhile, man has become sinful. Man has become, has acquired a sin nature. So where will you find a man who is sinless? Certainly not here in Tema. And least of all, not in Kumasi. Hello? So Satan named a price that maybe he thought God would not be able to pay. God cannot pay. It means that, in other words, God himself has to die. God is the only one who is sinless. God is the only one who meets that requirement. God, rather than one qualify for that demand. You know? Only God. So how can God die? How can God die for man? So God has to send his only begotten son to be born of a woman. Born under the law. Jesus has to, be, has to come born of a woman, born under the law. Because now the law was then in place. Now this is the law. Without a shedding of blood, there can be no remission. The law said without a shedding of blood, no remission. So, if God has come as God, it won't work. He had to come as a man. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. So God, the Son, came as a human being, 100% human. Though he's 100% God, he came as 100% human. He was made like his brethren, made like, just like you and me. So he came and offered to die, offered to die shed his blood. And this stands for Jesus and his blood. Now, Satan, thinking he was being clever, believed that, okay, if Jesus will die, then that is it. Because then, if he died, that is it. Because if Jesus will take the sin and die, because sin leads to death. So if Jesus will take the sin on himself and die, then Jesus will die forever. So he said, okay, I accept 
I accept the offer. So Jesus came, shed his blood, like so, died, and through his blood, we have redemption, as you have just read. So now, this slavery is loose. And we have this, the blood here. So man is now free. I've been redeemed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And this is where we got to yesterday. But you can see that man still has, <laughs> he still has a sin on him. He has been redeemed. But the sin has not been forgiven. The sin has to be forgiven. Redemption goes with payment of ransom and the removal of the sin. Hallelujah. So, our scripture says that Ephesians 1 verse 7 and 8 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood. Through his death we are redeemed. In him, we are the forgiveness of sins according to the riches, so the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, in all wisdom and understanding. So now, man still carrying the sin, still, though redeemed, still separated from God. That sin is separating man from God. It's like if you have a computer and there's a virus in that computer, computer can, it, it doesn't function well. It doesn't work. So, the sin has to be removed. So, Jesus, in dying, both redeemed us from our slavery and also took away the sin and left the sin where it belongs to. Where does the sin belong to? Satan, yes. Put the sin where it belongs to. And he gave man, all this time, man has not done anything. <laughs> we haven't done anything. So he gave man his righteousness. He gave man his righteousness. The righteousness of God. And all this he did according to the riches of his grace. Grace means that you didn't qualify for it. You didn't work for it. You didn't even ask for it. It was all divine act of God. God did everything for you and for me. And if I know human psychology, I know, and I think I know enough psychology to know that with human beings, things that we get free, we don't value. We don't, we don't, we don't value. We don't treasure things that we get free. Even the things that we buy or we pay for, what we buy expensively, we value more than what we buy cheap. Though the cheap thing may be even better than the expensive one, but the fact that this is more expensive, we value it. And I, I know, I've been, I've been saying this, and it's true. From our medical practice, when somebody comes and you have two medications that can cure that person, this one is maybe $100, this is $5. So which one? They always go for the $100 one. They, always, they don't even stop to think, oh, they are like the $100. They all go for the best. They go for the most expensive. So when we 
have this. And my daughter can see that you didn't do anything for it. You didn't work for it. So even though you have it, you may not even appreciate it. Uh, you, you, you have it, but you, you, don't, you don't value it. Until the end of time comes, the end of time comes, when now we begin to appreciate its full value. So now we have reached a place where we have forgiveness of sins and therefore the, rec the receiving of God's righteousness. And what you have, you standing for man, what you have in your hand now means that your sins have been taken away and you have been given the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. It is all by grace. You didn't work for it, you didn't ask for it, you didn't pray for it, you didn't buy it. All by grace. But we need to value it because what Christ did paid the ransom. Christ paid for it. And I remember a pastor told me one day that um, he went to a restaurant to eat, to have lunch. Then while he's there, a church member came to the same restaurant and paid, paid for his lunch. So when he came out of the restaurant, we got to thank God for a free lunch. Lord, thank you for this free lunch. Lord, I thank you for this free lunch. But then, in his spirit, he heard God tell that oh, that lunch wasn't free. Somebody paid for it. Though you don't know the price, somebody paid dearly for that lunch which you have eaten. So this revival, as we progress, we have come to the forgiveness of sins and therefore the receiving of righteousness. And I want us all to know that this didn't come freely. Somebody who is Christ Jesus, who is God himself, God himself died to give, it, to give us that gift. And Satan, thinking was clever that he was going to kill Jesus forever, forgot that the Father will raise him. And as we go on, we see that the Father, God the Father who raised Christ from the dead, God raised Christ from the dead. He didn't leave Christ to ensure in Hades, in hell. He raised him up. And the power that he used to raise Christ, we're, we're going to do that during the all night. We're going to look at that. That will be the theme for the all night. Topic for the all night. The power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. Bible said that's, that's the same power that he has toward us. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that God has toward us. So if this power could, can raise Christ from the dead, and Satan was trying to prevent it, stop it, but he couldn't. Therefore, I would say that, and seated him high above all principalities, powers, minds, and dominions. We'll look at that during the all-night prayer meeting. So you know that as you sit here, not only have you been called, redeemed, and you have inheritance, but you also have power. There's the power of God toward you. The power of God toward you that Satan couldn't stop. So there's nothing, I want to tell there's nothing that in Christ Jesus, you can ask God and he will say no. And he will say no. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing that you can ask Jesus, can ask God, and God will say no. 
That is not the case. So when you are asking, you ask by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you take this home? So I'll make sure I'll come tomorrow or we should take it from you. Okay. We'll come tomorrow. Okay, all right. <laughs> so now, this is how far we've reached. So we leave this one also here. We have one more white there, which we'll deal with tomorrow. Thursday. Praise the Lord. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So today, we're looking at the fact that in Christ Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. And I've demonstrated to you, giving you a practical sketch of what it means to have that forgiveness. Uh, and therefore, receiving the righteousness of God. Now, when we say forgiveness of sin, as we have just illustrated, it's different from how we humans forgive. Very different from the way we humans forgive. In fact, we humans don't forgive at all. We don't forgive. We say we forgive, but we don't forgive. We don't forgive. Because forgiveness, true, genuine forgiveness, is a divine act of pardon. Only God forgives. That's why they say only God can forgive sins. When Jesus said, told the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, the, the, the scribes said, oh, this man is blaspheming. Well, only God can forgive sins. Forgiveness, true, genuine forgiveness, is an act of God. An act of pardon by God. Because it is based on certain things that we human beings don't have. True, genuine forgiveness comes out of some things that we don't have. What do we say? So if we don't have these things, it means that we human beings, we are not in a position to forgive anyone. That's why the Pharisees and scribes said Jesus was blaspheming when he told the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. He said this man speaks blasphemy. No one can forgive sins except God. Because forgiveness is based, number one, on the nature of God and his grace. The nature of God. When we say nature, that's God's makeup. God has two attributes. When we say God, there are two things to consider when it comes to God. His nature, the way he's made, how he is, and then his character, his character. We all have a nature, we also have a character, the way we behave. Forgiveness is based on God's nature, his, God's makeup, and his grace, which is also full of grace. And when we look at that, many scriptures that say this. Many scriptures. We look at just a few. So when we go to Psalm 86, verse 5, we see one example there. Psalm 86, verse 5. God's nature and his grace. Out of this, forgiveness comes, which we don't have. Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good. I'm waiting for you to get there. 
Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good. Are you there, somebody? Is it in your Bible? For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Because you are good, you are ready to forgive. Don't forget when someone, someone called Jesus good master. He said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. If you say I'm a master, I'm just a master. <laughs> I know my school master, my school master, my, my house master was not good. <laughs> you, yes, I'm a master. How many, how many, can, how many of, of you can call your masters good? Good master. He said, oh, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Tonight we're going to call upon God. And may the abundant mercy of God be shown toward us. Mishakam Tema, Teshin Niboitan. Tonight, this revival, we're going to call on God a lot. The Bible said He's good and merciful to all those who call upon Him. May He be good toward you as you call upon Him. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And then we go to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke 7. Verses 41 and 42. Luke's gospel. Chapter 7. Verses 41 and 42. There's something here that we need to know. Luke 7, 41, 42. There was a certain creditor, Luke chapter 7, 41 and 42. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more. This is a parable of Jesus. A parable of Jesus about somebody who was a creditor. Now he, 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 he lent money to people. And someone borrowed, let's say, 500 denarii. Let's say 500,000 CDs. And somebody, another person borrowed 5,000 CDs. Two people. One owed 500 denarii. The other one owed five or 50 denarii, 10 times less. And when they couldn't pay, they couldn't pay. Jesus said, this creditor forgave them freely. He just wrote off the debt. Wrote off the debt. Then he asked them. So of these two debtors, these two who were owing the creditor, which of them do you think will love the man more? Without looking at the Bible, who can tell me which one of them will love the man more? The answer is in the next, but who can tell me? Who, who, which of the two do you think will love the creator more? One was forgiving 500, the other was forgiving 50. So which of the two will be able, would you think will love the man more? Anybody? Yes. The one who owed 500 denarii. 
In other words, the one who, who was forgiven a lot more, a lot more, more than anybody, he should love the Creator more. In other words, if you think of what Christ has done for you and for me, then motivation number what? Three is what? The love of Christ. This is where motivation number three comes in. Have you forgotten? So, there's nothing worse than you are going to be killed. You are going to face death. Death sentence. Then someone comes and dies in your place to freely forgive you. How can you forget to love that person? How on earth can you, for, you know, not for, for love that pe- forget or not love that person. It's impossible. Then you are, you are an ungrateful ingrate. Already you are an ingrate who is ungrateful. That's what he means. And that's what many people are guilty of. We, 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 we tend to actually not imagine or quantify. We forget to actually Describe, see what you have been forgiven. Therefore, we don't reciprocate. We don't, we don't return. We don't pay back Christ with that same, even, even a fraction of that love. We take them for granted. But to be in Christ Jesus as the theme of the revivalists, then, remember that you have been forgiven a great thing. Not 50, but 500. I mean, 5 million. Therefore, God expects you, Christ expects you to love him. Because he first loved you when you were a sinner, when you were an enemy, he loved you. You were an enemy, he loved you. That's what we're talking about. Church, shall we clap our hands for Jesus? Then, Forgiveness of sin being a divine act is also based on the shedding of blood. Shedding of blood as prescribed by the law. Not you going to kill a fowl, a hen. Uh, no, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about shedding of blood as prescribed by the law. The law. Forgiveness is based on this. And in this case, that's why Christ died. Christ shed his blood. Now, Hebrews 9.22. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Hebrews 9, verse 22. Law is a law. It was God's own law. Once God makes a law, it's law. So Hebrews 9.22 says, And according to the law... Almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no forgiveness. At the law. So you see, Satan was quoting God's law to him. Okay, you say you want man back, then blood might be shed. For man to be forgiven and taken back, blood might be shed. But I want the blood of somebody who is sinless, who has never committed any sin. According to the law, all things, almost all things are purified, made pure, made holy, 
by shedding of blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Colossians 1.14. Colossians 1.14. Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Again, repeat. Of Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In whom we have redemption through his blood, through his death. The forgiveness of sins. Just say amen to that. Amen. Colossians 1.14. Now, forgiveness also is based on somebody having the power to forgive. Power to forgive. For example, if, if um, I sin against you, my daughter, I sin against you. You see, I sin against you. You have to forgive me. He cannot say, oh, I forgive you. <laughs> because you don't have the power to forgive me for the sin that I committed against her. She is the one that sinned against. She has to forgive me. So, when you talk of forgiveness, who did you offend? The person that we offended, the one that we sinned against, he has the power to forgive. You cannot forgive somebody for somebody else's sin. No. So, forgiveness, genuine, true forgiveness of sin comes from God. God, when we sin, we sin against God. Though I may sin against you, I'm, sinning, I'm breaking God's laws against you. So, it's between me and God. So, it's only God who can forgive me, not you. And that's why when you say you're forgiving me, you see, when, when, when human beings say, so, and you know, we don't want to tell I forgive you. We don't want each other. Oh, Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. What it means is that when you offended him, he planned to retaliate. <laughs> you are going to retaliate. I mean, ten times. Ten times. So, man's forgiveness means that okay, I'm no longer going to retaliate. I won't do anything to you. That's what we mean by forgiveness. But we still remember the sin, the offense. Anytime I see you, uh, when I, in my head, when I did my terminal, now you say, I'm the one in chair, and I forgive you. You see, it's always in our mind. We never forget. We say, what, uh, what forgive and, and forget. But we forgive, but we never, we never forget. Do you forget? We never forget. Some of you offended me 30 years ago. I've not forgotten. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm not angry with you, but I would say, let, let the sun not go down your anger. I'm not, but I'm not forgotten. And every day I see you, I remember how you offended me 30 years ago. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm talking, for, I'm talking for all of us. So the person must have the power. He must be in a position to forgive the sin. And only God can do that. God can. Luke 5 now let's go to Luke chapter 5, 21 24. Luke chapter 5. Quickly. Luke 5. Luke 5, 21 24. 
So you know that the worship of God through wisdom and true understanding. That's how you can, that's how you can worship God. Now, Luke 5, 21-24. If I dare say amen. amen. Twenty-one, twenty-four. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go home. That you may know that Jesus has power to forgive sins. Now, forgiveness of sins is also based, now we come to man, on repentance, man's repentance. All these times have been based on God. But now, forgiveness of sins also based on man's repentance. Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, 38 and 39. Then Peter said to them, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiving of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. Amen. Peter said, now repent. And repentance means that for, stop sinning. Stop sinning. Be in Christ Jesus. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now we repent and be in Christ. Be in Christ Jesus. Which is what we are talking about. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because this promise is not just for a few, it is for everybody who repents and be baptized in Jesus. Here, you, your children, and all those who are far off. In our words, generational and geographical. It is not just Tema here. It's, and it's not just for you, your children, your children, children, generational and geographical. Repent and be in Christ Jesus. And you shall receive. It's a promise. But that promise depends on your repentance, true, genuine repentance. And you shall receive the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been promised. We will come to that all night. Have been promised, and the promise has been fulfilled. Promise has been fulfilled. But how come that some have not received that promise? 
If we look at the world now, how many elder have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> elder, how many? Look at the entire world. How many? Some of you say we have, we have not even so much ahead whether there is a Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> when the apostles saw these disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, oh, we have not so much ahead whether there is even any Holy Spirit anywhere. May you be in Christ Jesus and may you receive the Holy Spirit because receiving that promise, that's what we're going to talk about all night. That is a climax. Before you come for the communion and the anointing on Sunday, the climax is Friday night. Receiving the Holy Spirit. But all these that we are saying now is geared at preparing you, preparing you, if you have not, preparing you, whatever you are on the face of the earth. This is the only way you can receive the Holy Spirit. No other way. In Jesus' name, just say amen. Michelle, come test and say amen with us. Amen. So, repentance. And then, of course, faith in Jesus. Having faith in Jesus. Acts 10, verse 43. Having faith in Jesus. Not faith in yourself, not faith in your government, not faith in your parents, not faith in anybody, not anyone, but in Jesus. Acts 10, verse 43. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, that's to Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sins. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sins. Sometimes I wish that, uh, I wish that, you know, that somehow there will be some meter, like ECG meter, attached to all of us. That will show uh, how much sin we have on you. So when you come, before, as you enter, we look at the meter before you enter. <laughs> anyway, how come before we let you, we look at your meter and see the reading on the meter. Because... Though we don't see, that is how it is. It is that's how it is. Don't see it, but it is there. And God can see it. Jesus can see it. The Holy Ghost can see it. We cannot see, but it's there. Therefore, it's important that we receive the remission of our sins in order to receive the promised Holy Spirit. Amen. Finally, let's try and Define forgiveness. What is forgiveness? If I, if I ask you to tell me what is forgiveness, though you know it, you may not be able to articulate it in, in, in words. You know what it means. Sins have been forgiven. You will come back to the same forgiveness. Forgiveness means my sins have been forgiven. But what does it mean? We have said that it is, first of all, it's an act of pardon. You've been pardoned. 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 Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 55. An act of pardon. 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 Isaiah 
55, 6, and 7. Pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God and he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. And if you look at the, we have some lawyers in our midst here, if, we, if they have to tell the meaning of pardon, when you go to the court, you say, or oh, the president, the president has pardoned some prisoners. Independence Day, anniversary, president has pardoned some prisoners. It means that they just cancel their, their jail sentence and they let them go free. And I believe those who are pardoned, they are no longer re regarded as ex-convicts. You see, when you serve your term in prison, 10 years and you come out, you may correct me if I'm wrong, you come out, they call you an ex-convict. And you cannot work for the government. In fact, very few companies will employ you. Once they know you have been to jail before, you, have, you can only work for yourself, self-employed. But when you are pardoned, it's as if you never went to jail. You come, back, come out and everything is cancelled. As if you never went to jail. That's what he means. Praise the Lord. So it's an act of pardon. Forgiveness is same as pardoning. Pardon. P-A-R-D-O-N. It is a blotting out. Blotting out. Blotting out. If you like, blotting out of, of existence. Isaiah 43, 25. Blotting out means that it is, it is, it is struck out of existence. It doesn't exist anymore. Blotting out. 40, Isaiah 43, verse 25. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he. That, this is God speaking. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Blot out. Blot out. This is similar to when you're writing something. You've written something and you make a mistake. You see, you can draw a line to cancel it. Or you can still see the mistake. And you can still see the line that's been cancelled. But blotting out, I remember when you were in school, I don't know whether you do that. When you want to blot something, and when you've made that mistake, we don't, we don't want people to say we have made that mistake. <laughs> you know, we just, you know, we actually paint. We paint it with ink. So you, can't, you can't even see what was originally, the, the water there. We use the, the, the pen, big pen. We paint it black. Black. No one can see it. That means that is what is called blotting out. So, forgiveness, divine forgiveness means that 
God just blots out. No one can see. He himself can't see it anymore. Because when you blot out your mistake, you can't see it. If you forget it, you know what was there. So God himself that he cannot remember it. He can't remember it. And therefore, these things, you see, as you understand these things, church, we are going through the revival. As you understand these things, they, and when God sees that you understand these things, then he, he gets closer to you because now he knows that now you have understanding. Now you have understanding. And God loves understanding. He gets closer to you and draws you closer and closer to him. He draws you closer and closer to him. Now when you are praying, you don't think of the money you stole 10 years ago. Hello? Because when you are praying, you say, oh, Lord, can you do this? You can, hey, 10 years, years kept you, so can, is God hearing me now? Hello? You don't think of the many girlfriends you have before you became born again. The girls you slept with. Hey, and I'm born by the way, I didn't say me. Am I sure God, me, Papa? These things begin to cross, crossing your prayers. Even the abortions we did. I killed five, five children in my womb. I killed them. <laughs> five human beings. Hey, am I sure God, God has forgiven me? And I'm asking for a husband. I'm asking for the. Oh, no, no, I don't think so. Okay, God, I'm asking for marriage. But deep now, you know that that, that asking is being. You are, you are just canceling it out. You can still see. But when it's blotted out, God cannot even see it anymore. It is gone. Church, your sins are gone. Amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Because we all have done something before. We've, we, all have, we all sinned. Even as a baby, as a child, I was still my mother's money. <laughs> I told you before. I was, my mother was a... Uh, was a trader. So anytime she came from the, from the market, you know, coins, money, come and, and I'll just go and take some. She, she wouldn't even notice it. Until I took too much one day. Two shillings. So a lot of money. So like 200 cities. So I got 200 cities today. More than that. I didn't even know the value. Now, what can I buy? Black and white. What am I going to buy? Black and white. Oh, what? Chewing gum. No chewing gum that you have a, a film star's pictures, you know. Uh -huh. That's all. <laughs> so I bought one, and the, the, the two shillings was one coin. When I bought one black and white, they gave me change. The change they gave me was enough to fill my pocket. I spent and spent and spent, and by, by bedtime, the money was still filling my pocket. It wasn't finished. And I said, I fell asleep. Fell asleep. The grown-ups were talking, you know, talking. I was sitting down and I fell asleep. So when it was time, oh, coffee, I got up, all the money grind. <laughs> all the sleep left me at once. That night, I went to bed crying. I don't know when I fell asleep. And I'm sure I woke up in the morning still crying because the lashes I received. We have all done these things before. But now, 
You see, I remember. But God doesn't, even now I'm reminding God. God doesn't remember. May God forgive me. <laughs> and may God forgive you too. In the name of Jesus. Shall we all clap our hands for Jesus? And then, last but one, forgiveness, divine forgiveness means to remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. To remember no more. God used to remember, but once he forgives you, he doesn't remember anymore. He used to remember. If they are not been forgiven, God will remember your sins against you. That's what it means. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Jeremiah 31, 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Is that in your Bibles? Yes. Remember no more. It means that the time when God remembered your sins and your iniquities. But when they have been forgiven, they have been forgiven, God shall remember them no more. So church, as you sit here or hear the sound of my voice tonight, being in Christ Jesus, remember that God does not see any sin in you at all. Hello? There's no sin in you. So now, no sin in you, that means that you are carrying this banner of righteousness, like so. You have God's righteousness, no sin in you. And then he gives you his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. Ah, when you were here, that is the way I see it. And that is why I believe that whenever anything I ask God for, I receive. And may you receive anything you ask God for. Even the things that I have not asked for, but they are good for me, God give them to me. May God give to you the things that you have not even asked for. Because you don't know what is being good for you. But God knows. May God give to you even the things that you have not asked for. In the name of Jesus. Let's all get to the point where now you, 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 you have so much wisdom, understanding that you pray and it happens. And you pray for others and it happens. You pray, bang. You pray for others and it happens. And that's why I keep saying that now I am reluctant to pray for those I don't know. <laughs> you know, we pray for Stella brother in... Uh, in only God knows where. She, is, she has said that he know where the brother is. Whether in Tamale or Bolika or Nalerugu or Zabuzuku. She said you know. But God knows. We pray for her here because of our righteousness. That's why I keep asking you, church, are you with me? You know, when we are doing deliverance, I keep asking. It's not just for fun. Oh, church, are you with me today? Then when we say yes, that means that you have joined your faith with my faith. We all, as a church, are asking. Because if I say, are you with me? And you say, no, I have to stop. <laughs> if we say, no, I cannot go on. Church, are you with me? Yes. And once you are with me, we all being righteous, imagine us all praying against 
this one demon, all of us, <laughs> are righteousness against one demon. Can that demon survive? Can that demon survive? May no demon ever be able to stand before you. So the Bible said he was there when he saw the, the, the thing left, left him vow. He just saw some demon fly out of him. Of course, the demon will fly out of him. And may every demon following you flee from before your face. In the name of Jesus. Remember no more. Finally, it is a remission. It is a forgiveness. Remission. Remission. Matthew 26, verse 28. Matthew 26. That's the last scripture for today. When you go home, ponder over these scriptures. Go over them again. Matthew 26, verse 28. Matthew 26, 28. Jesus said, he said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. This is my blood, his death, his blood. Of the new covenant for the remission of sins. Covenant is a covenant. Covenant is, a, is something that is difficult to break. Difficult to break. And this covenant is a new one, the final one, a perfect one. And one of the basis is forgiveness of sins. And that's what we've been saying. Remission of sins. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are going to pray. Say amen. amen. Let's all be on our feet. And cry for Jesus. Hello. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
this meeting and thank him for this revival. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his presence. Thank him for his power. Thank him for all he's doing for you, for you and for me and for the church. Thank you for this revival because God has something special, new, big for every one of us. Lift up your voice and give him praise. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. With all your voice, with all your mind, with all your soul, lift up your voice and thank it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this meeting. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for this revival. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. in the name of Jesus Amen. we have said that all that life is about the essence of life the very essence of life what life means is being in Christ Jesus that's all that life is being in Christ Jesus because when we are in him his grace his mercies his power works toward you and giving toward you. So you are going to pray. You are going to pray that, Lord, be in you, having believed you, having been in, been in you, Lord. I pray this revival, multiply your grace, your message toward me, me and my loved ones, toward this church, and your pastors. Church, are you with me? Yes. Do you agree with me? Yes. And I tell you, it may look like you are just praying, but exactly as you ask, that's how God will do for you. So begin to pray right now. 
begin to begin to ask begin to pray Holy Spirit Lord begin to talk to God yes 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 Father in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit yes in you we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. And we have obtained our inheritance. All by your grace, which will lavish upon us, which will lavish upon me. All by your grace. All by your grace. Therefore, my Lord, my God, we pray with one accord. Multiply your grace, Lord. Multiply your mercy toward us. Lord, your grace toward us. Lord, your grace toward us. Holy Ghost, your grace toward us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. forever in heaven. Amen. Which means that all that we have heard today, tonight, is true. And it's even settled. It's 
written in heaven. Therefore, you are going to pray for yourself. Now you must have enough faith, my daughter, faith enough to ask. And by the close of tonight, you shall receive. Amen. You shall see the glory of God. Amen. Michelle Camp, you are going to ask. Tema, you're going to ask. Tessi and Niboy Town. Remember all that you have heard yesterday and today. You are going to ask. God will hear. And when God hears, he will not turn you down. He will not say no. God will not say no. He will say yes. And may God say yes to you. Amen. Therefore, with that in mind, with that level of faith, begin to ask now for yourself. And for your loved ones. Pray for yourself. Pray for your loved ones. God hears. And God is hearing you right now. He hears. And he is hearing you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we make our request known to you. The Lord, you know what things we need, what things we have needed, even before we ask you. Lord, you know what things we have need of. Even before we ask you, the Lord, we ask because we have to humble ourselves by asking. You are the giver of all good things. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above and from you. Hear your children, Lord. Hear your children. As many as with us, as many as are without, Lord, hear them all. Lord, answer. Lord, answer them. Lord, answer them. We pray. Lord, we pray. We ask. Hear our supplication. Hear our plea. Hear our pleading. Hear our intercession. Hear our pleading. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My soul praise the Lord. 
for Jesus. I am highly blessed and I believe that you are all even more highly blessed than I am. Amen. If I agree with me, say another amen. Amen. We have Friday night, the whole night to wait on the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to hear our prayers and to pour out His Spirit upon us. My prayer is that this revival, this revival, we all shall understand his calling, receive his inheritance. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Inheritance The guns say what? Is it what? I don't like the way the guns put it. They say boshini. It is related to death. <laughs> I, I, I hope that you say it in a different way. The Asan said, Japa, the Gan said, Boshini, can say, De Yewuja. That's why. Ewuja, dear, by a kind of Japa, dear. And what kind of Ewuja, dear? Boshini. You have to die before, somebody has to die before you can get it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But we have, have, we have an inheritance, and tomorrow, we are going to represent that inheritance with this. This is the last handkerchief left. And this will represent by the, you see how white it is? The inheritance. So that you know you have an inheritance. And tomorrow, branches, are you still with us? They are still with us. Tomorrow, branches, pastors, get a white handkerchief. All branches get a white handkerchief. We have one here. So, Michelle can pastor. Make sure you have a white handkerchief. Testing pastors, white handkerchiefs. Likewise, Nibot and Cross. Tomorrow, what we're going to do is we're going to put the, this inheritance in every one of you, your hand, to, to sort of demonstrate, simulate this inheritance we're talking about. 
And there's no one who gets an inheritance and is sad. <laughs> Everyone is happy. When we get an inheritance, everyone is happy. My daughter come, Naomi come. So tomorrow, we all, we are going to, every one of us, we are going to receive this inheritance in our hands. Because Bible said we have, and we have obtained, in him, we, ob, we have obtained an inheritance that was predestined. This inheritance was prepared before time began. So tomorrow, this is how it's going to be. Put your two hands together. So it's very heavy, very precious. So you take it with your two hands, not with one hand. And once it touches your hand, so precious, so precious, uh, you don't want to let go. It will not fall down. Even if you fall down, the inheritance will not fall down. Never. So tomorrow, in all our branches, it's going to be bututu. And then we continue with Friday. Daniel, I thought you were a very strong man. <laughs> the inheritance is too big for, for the two of them. Praise the Lord. So get ready for tomorrow. So at, after tomorrow, many of you, many, in fact, I pray that all of you, you always feel like you're holding something heavy in your hand. You feel. When God comes into ministry, I you have that feeling. People come here and say, Daddy, Adam and I are saying teen time, teen time. We don't want teen time anymore. When I'm going, I see, I see, I put my head into cobwebs. We don't want cobwebs. We don't want cobwebs. We want inheritance. Hello? We want the inheritance. Let me take, let me take the inheritance. Otherwise, we'll keep it for, for tomorrow. Otherwise, you'll never stand up. Hello. So branches, pastors, get white handkerchiefs tomorrow for this, this exercise, this practicum, as we call it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Just say a big amen.